Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. So today we're, we are in, what are we in? Part three, part three yep. of the betrayal trauma discussion we've been having. And today we're going to talk about uh, something I had a really tough time with early in my recovery. So my wife and I started to engage in this process of not only looking at my recovery from addiction, but also really importantly, her healing process from betrayal trauma. Because mm-hmm. we talked about last time, a lot of the time it's all hands on deck, full focus on the addict, right? Yeah, his recovery and everything going on. And too often the wife can get neglected or almost ignored. And so we've been focusing on this uh, concept of looking at her betrayal trauma and her healing process and all the things that go into that. So a critical part of that that has to be part of this discussion is the principle of boundaries. How does she start to set healthy boundaries in the relationship? Mm. And I have to tell you, I remember back to that and it was really tough because I'm thinking, wait a second, what are you talking about boundaries? You mean all the things that I can't do suddenly? And you have to understand, I was raised in a home where I observed my mom and different stepdads. There was no boundaries. Mm. So I had no mentoring and no example of how to set boundaries. It was all this passive aggressive stuff. Nobody ever said what they meant. No one ever expressed their needs. And so they basically just went around doing all these little acts of sabotage and right smile, but then stab them in the back, you know, behind the scenes later. Yep. So I was taught all the dysfunctional ways that you go forward in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So now all of a sudden my wife's learning, well, there's this thing called healthy boundaries. And of course my reaction is, well, wait a second, what are you talking about? Boundaries? there's no boundaries. Don't we just sort of take this as it comes each day and work it out the best we can? <laughs> so as guys are hearing this about, oh, great, Mark and Steve are going to tell my wife about all the boundaries she's going to set up now. Well, let me, let me say up front that one of the things that's really important for, for us as guys is give us the end result up front. So if you mm. can give me the end goal, the end vision, where's this all headed? And let me see the end from the beginning so that I know that this pain is going to be worth it. Yeah. So as I think about boundaries, if we want to have a really healthy, and you and I talk, Steve, a lot about intimacy. Mm -hmm. Into me, you see. Into you, I see. Right? We're vulnerable. We're transparent. What's the raw, the real, the closeness, the honesty, all of these amazing things that we we want to have in a relationship, none of that is possible unless we start to establish boundaries. Hmm. What are the clear understandings, the clear expectations? How do we begin to express our needs with regards to things that we may not be comfortable with? How do we start to, right? Everything has to have boundaries. Properties have fences, 
right? Mm -hmm. Companies have guidelines. Everything that you see around you has some sort of boundary to it. And yet, in relationships, we can tend to throw that out and not pay attention to it. And so it becomes something with no boundaries, no limits, no, no fences, no guidelines, no principles. And then we wonder why those relationships can be so dysfunctional. Mm -hmm. So I came from an upbringing where I knew nothing about boundaries between a husband and a wife. Now my wife is learning all these healthy ways to set boundaries. And I have to tell you, my, my ego addict brain kind of freaked out. Yeah. Well, so yeah. what's this going to be like? Mm. This isn't going to be like things have been in the past. I can only imagine what's going to happen now as we go forward. Yeah. But I got to tell you today, because we've practiced for years with this thing called boundaries and this might surprise some guys, but I have to tell you, I am so glad that my wife held her ground that she mm -hmm. many times in an uncomfortable way, a way that was not comfortable for her, she got tough and she set boundaries and then she held them because I'm going to tell you guys, when, when, when our wife set boundaries, we're going to test them. We're going to see if she really means it. Yeah, she's learning about all these boundaries, but she'll, she'll get over it. She'll give in. She'll, she'll, she'll waffle. And I'll just start testing this fence, just like kids do. <laughs> as soon as she set boundaries, <clears throat> they start testing them immediately. And I did that. I'm going to admit that I did that. And bless her heart, she, she held tough, man. And it was not comfortable for her. I can tell you, looking back, it was, it was pretty excruciating. Because she also grew up in a home where boundaries were not a part of what she observed. But it's worth it. Our, our relationship and our closeness and what we share today with each other would never have been possible without boundaries. And the reason boundaries are so important is because they establish this wonderful, amazing, critical factor in a healthy marriage called safety. Boundaries create safety. Fences create safety. And without them, you can't enjoy safety. And without safety, you can't have closeness and intimacy. You can't let your whole self go and be your whole raw, honest, open self if you don't feel safe. Yeah. And you've, you've experienced that in your own, in your marriages, we've talked about it and with your clients, just like I have with mine. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, you know, I like you and probably like most guys who struggle with addiction or, or gals who struggle with addiction out there. When uh, we are first introduced to boundaries, I think I, I know for me, it was an incredibly uncomfortable topic, right? Um, my, I mean, addiction by definition, <laughs> among other things, you know, one of the attributes of it is generally speaking, there aren't boundaries, um, at least any real solid ones. And um, very much like you, I kind of had this idea in my head of, you know, I didn't, I didn't uh, have, have these, these types of boundaries mirrored in my relationship growing up in large measure because my dad wasn't around. He'd, he'd passed away. And so I didn't really, you know, and, and sex was sort of a, a conservative topic in my household. It wasn't something that we talked about a whole lot and mushy, touchy, feely stuff just based on my you know, my upbringing, that was not the kind of uh, forte that was put on, on, uh, on relationships and the way the family did things. So uh, it was very foreign to me too. And, and, you know, especially when we talk about, because we're, we're even talking about boundaries in, in the sexual context today and in terms of sexual intimacy and using that as a, as a template for all you guys listening to be able to set boundaries in other areas of your life, not just this one. 
But when it came to, came to, uh, you know, doing that, I, I didn't looking back, I don't think I understood the difference between intimacy and sex, like at all. <laughs> yeah. Um, I had no concept of kind of how those two topics work together. Um, I thought one was kind of the other. And in my practice, uh, you know, going back to, you know, not just my experience, but the experience of the guys that I work with, um, I know lots of guys who have lots of sex in their marriage or women who have lots of sex in their marriage, but who also have very little intimacy because they aren't the same thing. Um, well, and it, I've actually tested that over the years. It's so funny because I do a lot of speaking and I've in public settings, I'll often ask the question. So when I say the word intimacy, what do all of you think of first? <laughs> and I'll ask how many of you thought of the word sex? Yep. And 99% of the audience raised their hands uh, because that's the cultural default or norm that we're raised with. As soon as someone says intimacy, oh, you mean sex? Yeah. Well, actually, no, I don't mean that. And you can have sex without being intimate and you can be intimate without having sex. Yes. But that boy, Absolutely. that is a foreign concept to how we're raised in this culture and especially what pornography teaches us. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I think one of the things that we're going to be talking about as we go through this today is, is not just how to set these boundaries, but also uh, Mark and I are going to draw on our own experiences about what resistance to boundaries looks like, <laughs> Yeah, how that plays out, right? Mark already mentioned, mentioned one about kind of his, his resistance. I mean, I think most of us guys, we tend to, maybe, maybe should we just talk about this for a second since we're going to be jumping into this? Yeah, sure. Um, Let's do it probably a good way to look at it is you got to, you got to remember when you're, you're dealing with somebody who's struggling with an addiction. Uh, in this case, we're referencing that as, as, as the guy in the relationship, although that's not always the case for, for your typical addict, whether it's a sex addict or, you know, any other form of addict for that matter, among other things, we have used our drug in this case, sex as a way to numb out, cope with and medicate stuff away. So it kind of becomes our upper and our downer to use drug lingo. It's the way that we get excited about things and, it's the way that we relieve stress from things. And it's, you know, so we're constantly using it to medicate and manage. Addicts have a, generally have a very low level of self-esteem when you get honest with them. They don't do well in terms of looking inward. Um, it's one of the reasons, like we talked about a couple of, of uh, podcasts ago, why guys are so resistant to journaling is because it means it's all about looking inside and looking at what's going on inside of you. And um, when, you're talking about, uh, when you're talking about boundaries and in the sexual realm, um, between the pornography and the damage that that's done to a guy about the norms, quote unquote, of sex, and and all coupled with the fact that the guy has used sex to maintain kind of a healthy, well, not not healthy, to maintain his mood or to regulate his mood or how he's feeling. When you start to threaten that in any way, that is scary territory for an addict because again, for an addict, more in more ways than they realize, so much of the relationship is based in the quality of the sexual component. And when you start to even push up against that, it, it brings up a lot of things ranging from fear to resentment to them having to, because they're having to, among other things, it's this prospect of having to face life, right? Without these other things going on. So we're going to talk about that as we go through, through today. And that's why we're going to, frankly, if we're being honest, that's why we're using sex as an example of how to set boundaries, because this, chances are for you, you guys who are listening, this is probably going to be one of the most volatile areas in terms of setting boundaries. So if you can do a good job of it here, 
the other areas for the most part tend to be easier. So, well, let me, let me do a little neuroscience insertion right there. Why, why does the addict brain freak out whenever this issue of boundaries comes up? And it's really, if you think of that part of the brain as the survival mechanism within us, and if I grow up in a culture where I learn <clears throat> that these sexual outlets are a place for me to escape to, to cope with life, to handle my stress, to deal with things when I'm either bored or isolated or whatever it is, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever thing that's uncomfortable in my life, and now sex becomes my drug of choice to self-medicate. Yeah. Now someone let's say my wife comes to me and says, oh, by the way, I'm about to set boundaries on your use of your favorite medication. And the survival brain says, excuse me, you're about to do what? And so don't be surprised as we talk about this and your wife actually starts to set boundaries that part of your brain is freaking out. Mm. And you, may, you may have some emotional reactions to this that even surprise you. Yes. Maybe some anger outbursts, maybe you shut down and go silent, you're resentful, you're moody, how dare she? Yeah. It's because you're threatening the very survival mechanism that your brain has learned. It's its go-to place when life gets unmanageable. Yep. And now you're saying, nope, boundaries on that, sorry. So it's a natural response from that part of the brain. Absolutely. Well, and, and we're talking about this vision piece, right? And so maybe this is a good time to kind of mention this. I'll have guys come into my office frequently when we when I start setting boundaries with their wife, you know, their wife's coming in for help with the betrayal trauma and, and uh, you know, whatnot, and we start making progress, oftentimes I will hear for the, from the husbands and not too long after that, usually in kind of a scared and or confrontive sort of a way. And they will come to me and, you know, say more or less, hey, thanks a lot. I'm glad I'm paying you all this money so you can teach my wife not to have sex with me. That's great. <laughs> Appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> that is money well spent. <laughs> and what I will oftentimes have to do with them is kind of paint the vision that we're going to talk about right now. Um, what I will do with a guy who is struggling with that, because I think it's normal to think that, right? On the outset, oftentimes boundaries can look like punishments. Yes. But the thing of it is that you have to remember is that boundaries are sent from that right place. If they're set from that place of what we talked about last time, which is from that place of my own authentic self and making sure my needs are met, it has nothing to do with controlling or changing the behavior of another person when you set good boundaries. It has everything to do with putting up, putting up a fence, if you will, to keep yourself safe right at a baseline level. And so even though those may look like on the surface to a lot of guys, they may look like punishments. If we, if we set those boundaries in the right way, uh, they, definitely, they definitely aren't going to be. So if we, if we give kind of that classic example, right, around, around how this works. Um, so well, Mark, I want to, I want to oh, say go ahead. something really quick. Please, go ahead. It's crazy because we're going to be talking about what appears to be a paradox. Mm -hmm. If you set mm -hmm. boundaries, which at first you see as restrictive, what we promise you is that in the setting of boundaries, you're actually going to see your relationship become expansive. Yes. It's going to become yes. bigger and more joyful and, and more, more sexual and arousing in all kinds of healthy ways that weren't possible when you did not have the boundaries. It seems like a contradiction, but it really isn't. The better boundaries you set, the more expansive and complete and whole the relationship can become. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, and, 
And that's kind of going back to that vision piece, right? You know, addressing those concerns of the guy who feels like these are just restrictions. What the way that I, I explain that to guys is, you know, when a wife is setting a good set of, and we're going to talk about how guys set boundaries too here, right? We may get to that today. We may not. Um, this uh, segment of the podcast betrayal, we're on part three and we could probably have like part 15. So uh, we're going to just see how that goes today. If we, uh, how far we get, but, but in that context, oftentimes what a guy needs to be, what he needs explained to him is the fact that the big picture of boundaries isn't just about the don'ts, right? That's what we always think of when people set boundaries, when people talk about it, because it's popular lingo out there, right? Outside the counseling office. People think of boundaries as just like, no, you don't cross here, no trespassing, blah, 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 blah. And that is definitely a part of boundaries for sure. Um, but the bigger, the bigger component to boundaries like for example, in this sexual context for a guy, it's important that you guys understand that your wife is actually doing the most loving thing that she can because what she's doing is she's learning how to express and set uh, what, well, boundaries, let's not find another word for it, right? What uh, fences need to be set up or what rules need to be in place so that she can really show up and be present in the relationship the way that you're looking for. I mean, even with the guys that I with with guys that I work with who are very very deep into the addiction, uh, when I will explore with them, kind of what are you looking for out of you know your sexual activity or what are you looking for from that relationship? Um, for most of the men that I work with, uh, probably ninety nine percent, all the sex in the world doesn't compensate for true legitimate intimacy, where two partners are actually present and engaged and a wife is not just participating, but involved and engaged and, and, you know, both people are into each other. That's, you know, you always see those little uh, stupid magazine topics, you know, like 50 ways to have mind blowing sex or whatever. We're going to give you the tip. This is how you have mind blowing sex today. Okay. This is the way that it really happens um, in, in a non sleazy, non smutty way. It's by, it's by developing intimacy in this case, physical intimacy uh, where you have as deep of a connection as possible being expressed along with the sexual component. Um, not saying this in a bragging way, having been sexual in many different contexts over a long period of time, that is the best sex, in my opinion. Um, that is the most fulfilling type of relationship. Yeah. And the problem is, is oftentimes the culture and especially the porn, the pornography culture teaches just the opposite. Oh gosh. It's all about toys and positions and the more, you know, the more daring and risky and crazy and outside the envelope you can get, the better it's going to be. Yes. And it took me a long time to learn that that was the, I call it the great ripoff. Absolutely. You start pursuing all of those external things and it's why we have to keep pushing the envelope further and further because the brain, the brain habituates to it. The novelty is done. And because mm -hmm. you don't have all the other issues with regard to intimacy in the relationship, you have to then go for the more bizarre, the more extreme, the more this, the more that. That's actually one of the great signs in a relationship that you're not developing the deep intimacy that's possible, that you have to keep going to these extremes. Sure. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's really not what it seems. Yeah. No, absolutely. I'm glad you said that. And and if we were to kind of, so let's 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 shift here a little bit. Let's kind of talk about. I kind of got us off track. I apologize, but let's go <laughs> back to our our sort of classic scenario, right? Wife comes to a spouse after setting some boundaries. So say she comes in and works with me in my office or in Mark's office, and we we start talking about sexual safety. 
one of the boundaries that I oftentimes hear from wives, wives that's probably the most common is that, you know, after my husband has a relapse, usually I'm not really comfortable being sexual with him in some form or fashion for X amount of time, typically, right? And obviously that varies by the situation. But for example, many of the wives that I work with are pretty confident saying, you know, for example, for 48 hours after he's, I just know from experience, right? For 48 hours after he's, after he's relapsed, I just, I just know I'm not going to be in a place to connect with him in, in a really sexual way. Um, and so we will talk about that and we'll, we'll kind of formulate what that looks like. Well, then she takes that. Uh, so let's say she takes that and she sets that as a boundary and shares that with their spouse. Mark, what's the reaction? <laughs> How does well, that look? I'll tell you my reaction back in my, my early, early addiction days, when my wife set that boundary, then what I did is I went into a place of secrecy with regard to relapses. Mm, well, I'm sure. not going to tell her because mm. I know what the consequences are going to be. Yeah. And the great challenge with that, that it took me years to face was that was an extremely immature approach on my part. So go into secrecy, go into denial, act like nothing happened so that I can keep getting my way. Sure. So that I can keep getting quote, my needs met by sacrificing hers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, can I ask you something about that? Because this is yeah. good for listeners to talk about. And you and I have talked about this before. So we're going to make Mark get vulnerable here. <laughs> right on the spot. Um, were you really getting what you wanted? I know the answer to this question for me. But, you know, you use that phrase, you know, I, I kept doing these things, right? I kept lying or deceiving or, you know, kind of holding things back so that those boundaries wouldn't apply and we'd keep having sex. But were you really getting what you wanted? Well, no. I mean, I didn't know that at the time. Sure, of course. Because I hadn't been through healthy recovery and I wasn't taught those skills. Yeah. And what I realized later that was the real evidence in the fact that I wasn't getting what I really wanted was that I kept pushing the envelope. Yes. Kept having to more, have more bizarre sex, more whatever. Mm -hmm. And all the time, what I realized years later was I really wanted to be close. I yes. wanted my wife to... Uh, consider me to be a good man, a, you know, a knight in shining armor. I wanted, I wanted to feel respected and admired by her. And I didn't realize that's what I was really seeking for. Yeah. And the trouble was the more I pushed that those, the more I violated those boundaries. And I mean, let's be honest. A lot of times when we would come together to be sexual, you know, to be sexual, she was, uh, she was a form of pornography for my addict brain. Yep. Really kind of yep. filled the role of those, of what I was seeing in pornography. And in addiction, we find ourselves trying to act out the same things that we're viewing in pornography. And, and that's where we push the boundaries. Well, the more that I would do that, thinking I was getting my quote needs met, the more I was actually pushing her away because she could sense. I mean, how many times have we, you and I heard uh, women that we work with say, I feel like my husband's prostitute. Oh, yeah. I feel Absolutely. like my husband's pornography. He's not there. I can feel that he's not present with me. He's someplace yes. else. I can see it in his eyes. There's this blank look. And that's why women are so uncomfortable engaging in, 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 sex, in sex after a husband's had a relapse because she's like, well, he's, but he's not having sex with me. How yes. do I know that he's here with me? Totally. You're hitting so you dead on the you point. get to the raw and the realness of it, there it is.
everybody, Mark and Steve here. Are you looking to take your recovery and your marriage to the next level? We work with individuals and couples one-on-one. With both in-person and online therapy options, you have access to the experts anytime, anywhere. To learn more, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. I, I so agree with everything that you just said. I, I, I feel exactly the same way. And I, I look back on my own experience and, you know, our, the addiction among other things, you know, you and I've talked about how that it'll never be enough. Right. And I don't know if we've actually said that on a podcast at this point, but that's one of the attributes of knowing that, uh, that addiction might be present when you're talking about questioning, you know, am I an addict? Am I not? Uh, one of the most common characteristics is, is that it will never be enough, whatever it is. It won't. It always needs more and more. Addiction is this constant attempt by the brain to fit a round peg in a square hole. It's this constant attempt to try and take sex and use it as a substitute for connection. And and every time you try to plug that in, it's always temporary. It never lasts, and it ends up being hollow all by itself. What what we're all craving on a deeper level, I feel is intimacy and all the sex in the world right can't compensate for that um sex is one way we express intimacy but if you don't have that emotional connection component present then what do you really have because even though orgasms can do and always will rock right because they do at the end of the day does that bring does that bring real happiness it brings that pleasure component but it doesn't bring that real happiness it's the connection piece that does and that's the beautiful thing about boundaries that I want to share with you guys is speaking as one addict to another, Mark and me uh, talking to you guys, is that even though right now these, uh, you know, having boundaries may, quote, not be the droids you're looking for, you know, unquote, <laughs> um, they really are deep down in 99% of cases what you've been craving all along. Because your wife taking the time to set these boundaries and be vulnerable with you is the beginning of you guys having a greater level of intimacy than you've had in at least a while, maybe ever. Kind of depends on the relationship. Um, And it's scary (laughs) because there's a lot of uncertainty to it and there's a lot of change. Going back to us addicts, right? We we rely heavily on our environment for homeostasis, right? Just a fancy term for we rely on our environment to kind of feel normal. And when somebody starts to shake up that reality, I mean, nobody likes getting uncomfortable, but addicts are especially kind of easily, you know, their boat is easily rocked by those kinds of things. But if you can trust this process with a good therapist, with somebody who knows what they're doing, and if, and if it's done right, uh, this can lead to that sexual relationship that deep down you've always wanted. So that's yeah, kind of Yeah, and, and one of I've the got. things I'm grateful for all these years later is if my wife had not set those boundaries, especially with regard to our sexual relationship, I would never have been, I'm not sure if forced is the right word, maybe forced is the right word, (laughs) um, to really confront the deeper issues that, that were underneath my addiction. We talk about addiction being a symptom, and it's the deep core issues that are driving that addiction is where the place of healing and recovery reside. If my wife had kept our sexual relationship just as it was, because she didn't want to confront me. It was difficult. I was moody. 
just all the things that makes it really difficult and painful for her, for her, if she hadn't had the courage to set and hold those boundaries, I would never have been forced to face my deeper issues. And I'll yes. guarantee to you that I, I would be today, not where I was, I would be worse off because I would have continued in my downward spiral. But thank goodness she had the courage and the wisdom to hold those boundaries, even though it was tough at first. Because now, because that caused me to, well, I can't run to my drug. I can't just go, you know, escape this stuff because she's not having sex with me right now. She's got a boundary. Crap, I got to face my issues. Okay, let's face my issues. Absolutely. And it, was, it was a real blessing. Absolutely. Well, and, and when we talk about these boundaries, right, it's, it's, it's not just around the one that we've kind of been talking about, right, where it's like, you know, how long after a relapse do you not have sex? We can talk more in depth about that another time, like answering that specific question. But um, it, this expands into all sorts of sorts of other areas, right? What we're really talking about, if we if we're discussing boundaries in the sexual realm, is is everything from from that, but all the way up to what people are comfortable with and uncomfortable with, right? Uh, you know, what is every what what is everyone involved? Everyone who's involved, what's their preferences? You know, in different areas. Um, it's amazing how many couples have sex all the time, but don't talk about it. And uh, going through the boundaries and, and taking the time to, to work on this stuff um, is where the real, the real power happens in a relationship. It's where, where amazing things happen. It's where greater connection comes about and it kind of bleeds through into every, every other area of the marriage. And so um, there's, there's just so much that we could, we could and, and, and will be saying about these. Um, but if we were to, uh, kind of talk about, uh, well, I guess where we ought to shift to is, is, uh, you know, what's the first step last week, you know, we kind of talked a little bit about, um, setting those, setting some initial kind of authentic self needs, right. In the physical, the emotional, the mental, the spiritual, and the sexual realms, I believe is what we did. Um, that authentic self piece, that is so important. Uh, you know, for a wife and Mark, as you were talking, this is the thing that kind of came to mind for me as I've worked with wives over the years, I've observed two things about a wife who acts inauthentically when it comes to sex, because that happens a lot. It's a common pitfall for the women that I work with, uh, wives whose husbands go out of town, for example, on business trips or whatever the case is, will feel a pressure to, I had a wife call it, you know, quote unquote, sex him up, uh, before, I think I may have mentioned on the last podcast before a trip or, or you know, there are other forms that that may take. But what I have seen time and again with my clients is, is inevitably a wife will end up presenting herself and she will end up presenting her partner sooner or later because of that. And so even though, guys, this is scary, allowing your wife to begin taking these steps and then you also developing these boundaries too, we're going to be talking about that as well in, in upcoming episodes, um, is what's going to allow both of you to really show up the way you're both looking to. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's very true. It's, you know, it's funny, you, you said, we don't often as couples talk authentically and deeply about our sexual relationship. Mm -hmm. If you stop and think about that, it's one of the great paradoxes, the great ironies of relationships. Well, wait a second, we're getting naked. We're, we're getting as close as you can get physically. and We're gauging as behavior, but we can't talk about it. Sure. <laughs> you, you, no, you just don't talk about that. And really that, that comes out of the cult, usually the cultures that we were raised in that really oh, yeah. went on for generations. For sure. And my wife and I had that, that challenge absolutely for sure. It just wasn't something that you talked about. 
fact, I'll, I'll get really vulnerable and raw. One of the things I had a lot of trouble with early in my marriage with our sexual relationship was I, I couldn't talk during sex. If you mm. don't talk, you sure. don't, you're not going to carry on a conversation. Yeah. And the craziest thing was, is if my wife would laugh, it was just deeply offensive to me. Like, right. You feel inadequate. You feel ridiculous. You're like, how dare you laugh or say something joking or do anything like this is serious stuff, right? We're ha we're having sex. And that has evolved so much for us over the years oh. where the, the more boundaries we've honored and the more that we've become healthy, it's, it's, it's just the greatest place. I mean, laughter, joking, conversation, it's, it's all part of if you're really going to call it intimacy and closeness, how can those things possibly be out of bounds? It makes oh, no man. sense whatsoever. So true. Well, and, and uh, that intimacy piece, right? I mean, the reason why I'm chuckling is because <laughs> I have had those exact same thoughts. It sounded like you were just, see, Mark and I didn't talk about this before the episode. This is just kind of on the spot, but um, I've thought those same things, both with the talking, it felt really awkward. And then also, I felt the same way. I was so insecure. The minute where there was any sort of <laughs> chuckle, it was like, oh, it must be something I'm doing or not doing or whatever, you know? It must be something on my end. Right. And it's supposed to be an enjoyable, fun experience. And, and uh, being able to connect and talk about this kind of stuff, as you can see, can help you avoid a lot of those pitfalls, uh, you know, in terms of, in terms of uh, how you guys interact. I mean... The, the couples that, that once in a while talk about, you know, okay, so we want to have sex today. Why? Even though that doesn't sound like super romantic, <laughs> like something would be somebody would be super enthused to do. Not that that should happen every time per se, but the couples who have those kind of conversations and check in and, and uh, kind of evaluate, you know, where's, where's the relationship headed, be it in this area or other areas. Uh, those are the re relationships that you have the best relationships in. So yeah, I love that. That's so gosh, that's so true. <laughs> well, oh, and just yeah. different things, just diff different taboos that we work up in our minds. Like, mm -hmm. well, I can't possibly ask my spouse to have sex. Yes. It has to be spontaneous. It, she, if she doesn't pursue me, then there's something wrong with this. I can't, I could never express my needs. Uh-huh. It, Absolutely. All of these things that have come into the relationship, you'd like, where did that come from? Who says? Sure. Like, <laughs> right? It's just crazy. The things that I've realized over the years, it's like, I cannot believe I thought that. Who's, who established that rule with regard to totally. sex? Totally. Well, and going back to getting rid of the shoulds piece, guys, again, here's that positive part of the vision is you guys get to decide, you and your wife, if you, if you do boundaries the right way, what it means is you're getting away from all those shoulds that we've talked about that Mark's kind of alluding to. And you guys decide it's your marriage. It's your sex life coming together and deciding what do we want this to look like? Cause it doesn't have to, and nor should it necessarily look like anybody else's. You get to decide that you get to create that vision and, and explore it with each other over time. I mean, it's a really beautiful, amazing thing when you think about it. Um, well, and I think that kind of goes along the lines of what we were going to introduce as the assignment in, in this yes. podcast. We always try to end with something to go do so that it's not just a bunch of talking. Mm -hmm. How can we start to practice it? And one of the things we, I think you and I talked about before this podcast was this concept of sitting down and having a conversation about your sexual relationship. Yes. 
how's it going? How do you feel? And how do I feel? I mean, and heaven forbid, so what do you like? And mm -hmm. what do I like? And just yeah. having this really open conversation about those, the aspects of your relationship. Too often that just goes unspoken. Mm -hmm. No, we can't talk about that. And again, why? Who says? Yeah. Let's, let's sit down and have a really raw conversation. Now, going back to the beginning of this podcast, I can't have that conversation with my wife unless we have first established at least some basic boundaries because one or both of us is not going to be willing to get that deep and that raw and transparent if we don't feel safe. Absolutely. If you're going to punish me later for me expressing this honest thing about what I feel about our sexual life, I'm not going to express it. We're never going to get to that raw peel back the layers place because I don't feel safe. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. It's uh well and yeah, I, geez, I, I wish there was more I could add to that. I think, I think what you're saying is, is so true and, and is needed. It's, there's got to be, I guess the only thing that I would maybe add to that is if you're going to be in order to have, and this just applies to any assignment we give you guys, right. As a couple, but if you're going to have an intelligent conversation about anything, the conversation needs to start with yourself. Um, probably one of those bigger mistakes that, you know, Mark and I see as couples make is, is too often we try to jump into the we component of the conversation without figuring out what, what your piece of it is. And it's too easy around certain topics like this, like Mark said, it, there, topics like sex are emotionally charged for all sorts of reasons, ranging from the trauma to other things for couples to, to really navigate that just kind of on the fly together without each one figuring out, you know, what, what are my needs, right? Let me, let me set aside my partners for, for just a minute and just like, what do I want this relationship to look like? Because if you can take the time to do that, right, then you, that's what you take to the conversation with your partner. And that's where you guys can come together and say, you know, figure out what is going to be, you know, the, uh, what's this actually going to look like? So, so if, we, if we take that then, so we're starting to get some of the steps of this assignment. Yes. And so what we're saying is, the first step is not to just sim simply say, hey, get over here. We're going to have a, we're going to have a talk about our sex, you know, about our sexual relationship. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Yes. This yes. Spontaneous, you know, here we go. Yeah. But, there's, but I'm hearing there's, there's some groundwork to be done. There's some preparation so that we can come to that conversation and have it be as um, productive and unified as possible. You can't just suddenly launch into a conversation about your sexual relationship. You got to yes. do some individual work first. Absolutely. So why don't we kind of formalize the assignment that works yeah, for, here we go. for you? Okay. So we already have you guys journaling. So those who have been tuning in for a while now, will be, will be doing that um, already. Uh, so you can even just incorporate this into it over the next week. Take that 10 minutes of journaling assignment that we gave you and devote at least a part, maybe even all of it for the next week. Um, to what we're talking about here, just exploring with yourself, you know, what, if I could just kind of wipe the slate clean on my sexuality, right, and on my sexual relationship, and kind of let go of what, how it's been done for the last year or 10 years or whatever, and I wanted it to look like anything, what would that be? And just start kind of describing that, um, you know, is it, in terms of everything from frequency to what you'd like to be involved to what you wouldn't like to be involved, to what you're comfortable with, to what you're not. I mean, 
there is no right or wrong to it, but just figuring out, you know, what, what is my truth in this area so that you can take it to a partner and share with them. They've done the same thing. And then you can actually meet in the middle and figure out what works for the both of you, as opposed to somebody not uh, having their needs met. Because like we talked about, first thing that can happen here is if, is if somebody feels like, you know, the relationship's becoming one-sided, right? Either in the sexual realm or in other realms and, and uh, good boundary setting is going to be going to, going to do that. But that's kind of the first precursor is just to take that next week and do that. And then try setting up a conversation between the two of you, right? Did we already give check-ins as an assignment, Mark? I, I seems like in an earlier episode, maybe we did, but we should probably revisit it. Yeah, I thought we did. We'll just, for two seconds, if, if, if we did, then wonderful. We'll talk about it more another day. But if not, we'll start you off on a really simple form. Or if you guys haven't listened to that episode yet, at the end of this week, have what we call a couple's check-in with each other. Both bring your lists or your journals together. Set it up in advance so it's not just kind of willy-nilly. Make sure that there's, you've got time to do this either after the kids have gone to bed or alone. And sit down and just start exploring with each other each of your realities. It's not even a place to necessarily decide what you're going to do, but, but spend some time just sharing and listening to each other about what you kind of like to see, how you'd like it to change, what do you guys really like about what's happening now, what things would you like to you know, uh, alter or, or whatever. Um, I think that's a great place, to, great place to start. Yeah. And one caution, uh, because this is going to happen. Whenever we start to engage in a conversation with each other with something that's so personal and so has such a potential for raising up feelings of inadequacy, uh, I'm going to be offended because as soon as you start expressing what you either want from the sexual relationship or what perhaps you don't feel comfortable with, my ego is going to take that personally immediately. Oh, so what are you saying? I, I, I don't perform well, or I don't do that right, or I've been doing that wrong all this time. Mm-hmm. It's very easy for this conversation to immediately regress into this. Totally. This, this confrontational, you know, uh, you're, you're making me feel bad. I feel inadequate. Great. I, I, knew, I, I knew I couldn't perform. <laughs> I knew you never liked that. Yes. If you're not careful, that ego brain will take over and go into this very defensive place instead of, this is just an opportunity to express true feelings and just describe facts. Here, here's kind of what the experience is like for me. And again, what's the vision? Because we're trying to get to a higher place, yes. a more enjoyable, closer, more joyful, more arousing, more wonderful place. And we're never going to get there if we're not willing to kind of dig down through these layers but it's going to be uncomfortable at first and I'm going to get ticked off and maybe sure. you're going to storm out of the room. How dare you say that I'm not good at that, right? Or sure. Big caution. Well, I would hope that the conversation never even gets to that, hopefully, right? Where we're, <laughs> where we're talking about you do this wrong or you're not doing enough of this. It's, it should just be about focusing on, and this is good, this is good advice for any time you have a discussion about this kind of stuff, is you always focus on your needs not on what the other person's doing. Yes. That's where the conversation, the emphasis needs to be on. There's a place to talk about that, but uh, you're, gonna be, you're gonna go much better uh, going that route. Um, and also it should just be noted that this is just the beginnings of a conversation. You're not supposed to walk away having said anything concrete. 
And even when you do set stuff concrete, just like every other part of a relationship, it's fluidic and will change over time. And the, the idea I think here this week, I think Mark and I are on the same page with is, is that you just start the conversation. You, you start the ball rolling. Yes. Doesn't awesome. have to be all, you know, doesn't have to be solved in one setting. Cause as guys, okay, let's get this over with. Totally. Let's just solve our whole sexual issue. So we never have to talk about this again. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, sounds great guys. Well, next week we'll be continuing on with our seemingly never ending saga of betrayal trauma. We promise we're getting to the end of the <laughs> end of the beginnings of it, if that makes sense. Uh, Cause we'll move on to other topics. But uh, thanks for tuning in today, and uh, we will catch you guys in the next episode. That's all for today. Thanks for joining us. And remember, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection. Together, we can do the impossible. To learn more about Mark and Steve and to listen to more podcast episodes, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. Everything expressed on the PBSE podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.